History tells the story of the world and of our lives. Sometimes that history goes bump in the night. Broadcasting from the center of oddity and the supernatural in Central Florida, it's the History Goes Bump podcast. Hello, you spooktacular people. Welcome to this 321st episode of the History Ghost Bump podcast. Ghost tours for the theater of the mind. I am your host, Diane. And this is Kelly. Kelly, we have another location from our Iowa trip. We certainly do. And this one is supposed to be the most haunted one that was on this trip. I don't know if we necessarily felt that after we got done with it, but we did get to do a tour of it and do a little brief investigation. And that is Malvern Manor, which is found in Malvern, Iowa. Before we get into telling you about that, though, we want to welcome some people into the Spooktacular crew. Paul, Dorinda, Kate with a K, Chris with a C-H, Melody with an I-E, Michelle with an E instead of an I, Caitlin with a K and an I, and Beth. Thanks for joining us, guys. And now, this moment, Naughty. you probably find golf to be of interest. I do, however, Diane does not. But there is one hole of golf that made the history books that was both interesting and odd all at the same time. This took place all the way back in 1913 and happened at the Shawnee Invitational for Ladies. A female golfer named M.H. Meehan set up her shot and gave it a whack, only to watch it fly up and into a tributary of the Delaware River. This would give her a penalty stroke, as we understand it, if she didn't play the shot. Something in her must have thought that she could whack that ball right back onto the green, and that the result would be better than taking that penalty, because she convinced her husband to row her out into that tributary aboard a rowboat. She swung and swung at that ball, and the judges counted her swings. On the 40th stroke, she finally hit the ball back onto the land, but it was into the woods off the green. She bushwhacked through the woods, and just as she got the ball onto the main green, it got stuck between two rocks. This was like the challenging mini-golf hole from hell. (laughs) It took another two dozen swings to free the ball from the rocks. She got it up onto the green, and finally into the hole on stroke number... You want to guess? Not sure. (laughs) 161. We're not sure if this was persistence, stubbornness, or something else, but it certainly was odd. And now, this month in history. In 
In the month of January, on the 3rd in 1946, William Joyce, who was better known as Lord Ha Ha, was hanged for treason in London. Joyce was an Irish-American fascist who had broadcast Nazi propaganda via radio from Germany to Britain during World War II. He opened his broadcast with... Germany calling, Germany calling, Germany calling. In what sounded like an upper-class English accent. Joyce would try to escape the collapse of the Third Reich. He moved to the Dutch border when Berlin was bombed in 1945. The Nazis initially were going to smuggle Joyce and his wife Margaret to Ireland aboard a U-boat, but that plan had to be abandoned. He made his last broadcast on April 30, 1945. On the same night of his last broadcast, a car whisked him and his wife away, and they were carried into Denmark. The couple continued to run as the British hunted them down. Joyce had a prominent scar on his right cheek, and he was recognized while walking on a road one day. He was shot in the buttocks by a German Jew serving in the British Army using a captured Nazi weapon. How is that for irony? He was tried and found guilty of treason, but was acquitted on two charges because he was an American, and so the British couldn't claim that he had betrayed them. A third charge stuck, though, as the Attorney General pointed out that even though Joyce had lied to get his British passport, he had British diplomatic protection under it, meaning he owed allegiance to the king at the time. He was found guilty and sentenced to death. He was executed on January 3, 1946, at Wandsworth Prison. Malvern is located in southwest Iowa. This is a really small town, similar to most of the small towns that we visited in Iowa. Agriculture is the main economy here, but for Malvern, they have a claim to fame that gives them a tourism angle. Malvern Manor is here and is reputedly one of the most haunted buildings in America. You know, they all like to make that claim. Well, this is true. And we'll, we'll get further into this as we move along. I have, my, I have my doubts about it being the most haunted, but we'll see. We'll see. This was a former hotel that became a place for the discarded people of society. Could this be why this place has so many spirits locked inside of it today? We got to take a tour of the place and also had the opportunity to do a mini investigation. Join us as we share the history and hauntings of Malvern Manor. Kelly, I first heard about Malvern Manor from a podcasting friend named Josh Hurd. He hosts the Ectoplasm Show, and I've been listening to it for a number of years. And I remember a few years back that he talked about buying this property with several people that was located in Iowa. And so he would talk about setting it up for tours and investigations. And since then, I'd heard a little about this location. And most of what I heard was that this place was really haunted. There were some incredible stories coming out of it. So when we decided to visit my sister in Iowa and we're mapping out a plan to hit some of the haunted locations here, we saw that Malvern Manor was only about 40 minutes from Omaha, Nebraska. We said, uh, maybe we should try to gotta, fit that gotta in. Gotta fit it in. Absolutely. I mean, I remember when we were sitting down and like going, okay, how many minutes would it take us to get here? And then if we go over there, and I mean, we, we were just booked solid for that trip. <laughs> we really were. 
So I honestly thought that this was going to be one of those ones we kind of put on the back burner. And if we got a chance to go see it, we would do it. But I wasn't for sure we were going to do that. Right. We had mentioned, though, wanting to check it out on that day that we guys told you about on the last podcast where Jessica and Arena Garcia were shuttling us around everywhere. And we went to lunch and said, well, that's probably what we were going to do with the afternoon. And they were like, yeah, they jumped on it. They're like, sure, let's go. We'll go with you. (laughs) So we're like, okay. So we made it part of our plan that day and we all headed on over. We had so much fun with them. Yeah, we did. And I think this was the first time either one of them got to do a little bit of a paranormal investigation. Right. I, I could sense a little bit of hesitancy, but... Especially for Arena. She, <laughs> yeah. she was maybe not so much... She, she really likes the history, not so much maybe into the ghost stuff. So she was a little hesitant about some of it. Right. Although she was right there in the Facebook Live, however, when we were doing the Squirrel Cage Jail. Yeah, so I don't know. So if she, she was following right along then. Yeah, maybe she got a feel for the fact that we're... A lot different than the ghost shows you see on TV. Right. And Very so. respectful, not trying to stir a bunch of nonsense up. Exactly. And and we're more into, since we're skeptical, we don't necessarily just buy into everything right away and run around going, oh my God, did you hear that? Or what Exactly. That? Getting crazy about Dude, it. Dude, run. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so bad. So Malvern Manor is named for the city in which it resides, Malvern, Iowa. Malvern started as a pioneer village named Milton and was founded in 1869 by John Paddock. He and his wife built a store and soon more people came when the Burlington and Missouri River Railroad was completed there. The town changed its name and really exploded. Factories started popping up within the farming community. There was a poultry factory, hog packing plant, and an electric generating factory. As the agricultural community began to shrink, the economy of Malvern went down and people moved away. Today, Malvern is a small, mainly agricultural town. Kelly, I just remember going on a lot of small roads and there was lots of corn on either side of us as we were (laughs) Exactly. I kept thinking, children of the corn, this is where we're headed. Oh, my word. (laughs) So we get to the Malvern Manor. We pull up on the street across from it because we didn't even know exactly what we were looking for. We just used the GPS coordinates. Exactly. You look over and you're kind of like, wow, this is a really rundown looking place. I was just going to say rundown. (laughs) Exactly. And then we noticed there was a guy outside mowing the lawn. And I said, you know what? I think that's Josh. Well, you would know. I'd never met him in person. So this is my first time meeting him in person. But uh, it was definitely Josh. Oh, so you never stalked him and got to see what he looked like? You know, I'm sure I saw his picture on (laughs) Facebook somewhere. But, you know, you see a lot of people's faces. True. I know his voice better than his face. Of course. So, of course, when he greeted us with a big smile and turned off the mower and came over and shook our hands and started talking, I was like, yep, that's Josh. And it really was great getting to meet him in person. Definitely. Honestly, he seemed a little bit starstruck by meeting you. I have to say, (laughs) it was very cute. Well, the neat thing is, when I started listening to his show and stuff, I started putting it out there back in a couple years ago and stuff, which is something I like to do. Yeah, you're awesome that way. You always cast. Yeah, you always you know, help promote other podcasts. And I think that's amazing. So I think he just thought that that was really cool that I was putting his show out there too, and that I was listening and enjoying it and that kind of thing. So absolutely. I get starstruck myself when I meet (laughs) other podcasters. So I know the feeling. Josh had us sign a pretty detailed waiver. And of course, when you see this thing, I mean, it just had line after line after line after line. You're like, what am I walking into? Exactly. I've heard of waivers that look kind of like this when you're going into one of those haunted house attractions where it's kind of like anything goes, they can touch you and stuff. Very similar. Right. 
I was kind of wondering if you should wrap me in bubble wrap before I started walking through the building. I know you're such a klutz. I'm like, okay, Kelly's going to die. So we're basically saying it's okay that Kelly's dying. Well, we've got good insurance on me, so that's a plus. (laughs) So just be aware that when you show up there, you're going to be signing a pretty heavy-duty waiver and one of the reasons why is because they haven't done a whole lot with the interior. It's it's kind of like a time capsule when you Not go in there. Not at all. Yeah. It's left the way they found it. Watch your footing. Which is one reason why I wouldn't mind doing a longer investigation here overnight, sleeping or something there. Yeah, not not really wanting to do that, maybe. Yeah, I definitely wouldn't want to sleep there, but no. I would like to go back and, and investigate do a little, several a hours. little further. Yeah. yeah. So then Josh took our group through. He gave us a personal tour. I'd say it lasted about 20 minutes or so. And he really knows the history there real well. And so he shared a lot of that with us. And then he set us free to do our investigating. And we didn't know much more when we pulled up other than it cost $10 to do the tour. And so I thought that's all basically we were going to get to do. Right. And he was such a great host. He was so informative. And Mm -hmm. then he was like, okay, guys, have at it. He said, you know, we'll have some other groups coming in, but, you know, you can run around for an hour, an hour and a half, whatever you want to do. I think he said something like, as long as you'd like. (laughs) I think he he did say that to us. I'm assuming for most people it wouldn't be that way. (laughs) Right, right. I think that's the case. So the chance for us to get to explore and investigate was a really nice surprise, especially, like we said, I don't think that Jessica and Arena had ever done an investigation before. So I think they were like, oh, cool. And really, this was going to be the first investigation that we had hosted because Squirrel Cage was going to be the first one that night. That's true. Kind of cool for us to get our equipment out and get a feel for using it where we weren't like in a group public setting or something like that. Where we weren't on the spot as much. Yeah. And this is the (laughs) first time we were going to try to do the flashlight experiment. Right, right. And as you guys are going to hear, spoiler alert, the flashlight never does turn no, itself on, even though I'm going to beg location. every single spirit to do it. Because I was like, oh, it'd be <laughs> so cool. Like, please. <laughs> if Jessica and Arena could see that flashlight turn on by itself, it'd be so cool. At least they got to see it on the, the Facebook Live for the Squirrel Cage jail. Yeah. And I think that's why I was really so excited about it doing it at Squirrel Cage. Because I had forgotten until I was listening back to our audio and stuff. I was like, oh, that's probably why I really got so excited because we'd been trying to get it to happen. And I wasn't sure if I was doing it right or anything like that. So, right. Well, yeah, I was shocked. You held it together really well. So before we tell you all about our investigation and what possible evidence we might have gotten, we should tell you the basic history of this structure. And unfortunately, there's not a whole lot known about it other than the basics. What we know is that it started as a house that was built in 1870 by someone going by the name A.B. Ringland. In 1890, the house had rooms added to it and became the Cottage Hotel. This was a nice family-run place that was close to the train, and many salesmen stopped in to get a good meal and a night's rest. Most nights, it was booked solid, so it was a real popular place. Sounds like it. When you look at Malvern and how small it is, especially today, it probably was one of the only places in town to do that. I would imagine. An Iowa Atlas advertised it in 1912 as charging only $2 for a room and a meal. Dang. Pretty nice. (laughs) That's a good deal. As more and more people started turning to cars for transportation and not riding the train, of course, the hotel started losing business. And as we all know, the interstate system is going to come into play. It's one of the reasons why a lot of businesses on Route 66 went out of business. Right. People started getting out on the interstates and stuff. So it's just going to continue to pull tourism away from here. The hotel eventually was converted into a convalescent home in the 1950s and then a place for, I guess, what we could 
basically term as the cast-offs of society. Nobody wants to take care of these people. You've got your developmentally disabled, the addicted, and the mentally ill. And they were all put in here. Didn't matter all together. which of those yeah. you were under, you were all together. And I can tell you, when you're walking through this, it's still set up very similar to what a hotel would be. It's just long hallways with little rooms coming exactly. off Exactly. Of so there's nothing that was keeping one section of people away from the other. They were just, it's one community building. Obviously, as we know, with a lot of these places, there was not enough staff, so neglect and abuse became a big part of the story here, and quite possibly could be why the place has such a haunted reputation. The first room we started investigating was the captain's room. This room was like taking a trip back into the 80s with a tube TV that had old turndials. Yeah, Kelly, I remember these back from when we were kids. (laughs) I was like, I don't think I've seen one of those since I was a kid. Right, exactly. There was a simple twin mattress in here and a sink in the corner. The walls were painted a sky blue and the room was full of light because of the windows and didn't feel heavy. We got out the dousing rods and asked a few questions, but we got no activity in this room. The stories about the captain are numerous. Many times investigators claim that he had scratched or pushed them. It is believed that the captain runs the place in the spiritual realm. Josh believes that the captain dislikes all the investigators coming through. Basically, if you're coming Get in off there, my lawn. yeah, that's kind of <laughs> like, and I think that's kind of what he said. He's this cantankerous old guy, really. And anytime there's people who are in there, he's, you know, known to push them, scratch them, that kind of thing. We didn't even get any responses on the dousing rod. No, so not at all. He either was not talking to us or was not there or didn't care. Maybe we, we aren't the type that irritate him. <laughs> yeah, you and never I just, know. Because the room was this light blue color and there were just windows all around it and it was so light. It just, I don't know, it felt very light to me. So I didn't, yeah, feel, I didn't feel any negativity negative, or no. anything of that nature. As you go through Malvern Manor, you bop into all these different places. There were certain rooms that Josh would stop and tell us stories about. So as we were going back through doing our investigation, we're stopping at each one of these here and there. And I'm kind of doing it in the order that we did it. Except for when we get towards the end of our investigation, I'm going to put like the more intense areas kind of on the back end. Right, as right. As the climax to our investigation here, <laughs> even though we did do them earlier. This next room that we headed to was called Susie's Room. And this was painted a bright yellow and was a jumble of children's toys and coloring books. Most of them were strewn across a twin bed in there. Susie was not a child. You might interpret that the minute you walk in here you're thinking oh this used to be a kid's room which is kind of scary considering who was in this place right you wouldn't want to think the kids would be here but she actually was a middle-aged resident who was mentally challenged and they think probably had about the intellect of an eight-year-old and just so you guys know josh went through this with a lot of the former nursing staff to kind of get some of the history and the stories here we're going to be pretty vague about that because he was vague about it because obviously there's some privacy issues here and stuff exactly So we don't want to, you know, share people's personal stuff like that. So it's just, this is what people call her is Susie. And that's why there are toys and such in this room. They found a bunch of them in there. So Josh knew there was something kind of weird about this room because he's like, I know there weren't any kids in here. So what was going on here? And so a lot of that was already left there. And then when investigators come, they bring stuff with them too. We introduced ourselves and then Kelly started using the dousing rods, which... Pretty much, I think, is one of your favorite things to use when investigating. <laughs> well, I just have such an easy time with them. You know, it, it's usually a matter of either there's no communication or very clear and easy communication. It's kind of cut and dry. And along those lines, people have been listening to us for several of these investigation episodes talking about how 
our dowsing rods would stick and we need to get new ones. What came in your stocking for Christmas? I got some new dowsing rods and they're so nice. They're they're a little bit shorter and they've got the nice big wooden handles and they move so smoothly. So, so we should get much better results. I'm yes, I'm looking forward to trying them. I already tried them over a cup of water just to make sure. <laughs> yeah, they worked. Yes, they worked. Because <laughs> we're like, we're not investigating our house, but we need to see if they work. Absolutely. We also got out our flashlight and the EMF detector and invited Susie to turn the devices on. Here's a sound bite from that. And the knocking you hear in the background is construction going on. Unfortunately, they were going to town. <laughs> we're not only going to be dealing with that during this investigation, but also there's another tour group that will be coming through. So you'll hear some voices murmuring in the background. Right, right. So, and squeals and who knows what else, because they were they were quite noisy. Exactly. So we're going to have the same thing here as the general Dodge house. No EVPs were caught or if we did. We didn't trust them. So right, anything that I thought sounded a little weird, I just dumped it anyway. Because I'm like, it might have been something answering, but it could have been somebody mumbling in the background. Yeah, there's no way to know for sure. Construction worker hollering at another one. So we just, there's not going to be any EVP here. Susie, are you with us? Okay. Thank you. These are really... Oh. oh. Thank you. <laughs> we really like these books. This book here that says Frozen on it, where uh, this is Kelly and I'm Diane. Jessica. Jessica. Diana. And uh, Kelly and I are from Florida, which is a place where Disney is at, where this coloring book is from. Or I don't know what kind of book it is. I just I wonder if it's water. Well, sort of make sure. Yeah, there could be water in the pipes yeah. behind you. Stand over here. Or you could hold it the sink and see if it registers yeah. it. Okay, that might be the problem. Stand over on the other side of the room. We also have this uh, flashlight that's here. It might be kind of fun to play with. If you touch it, you might be able to turn it on. Or we have this EMF detector, which uh, can sense energy. And sometimes if you walk up to it and you just put your finger on it, it'll light up for you. I don't know if you can see if you can get it to light up for us. Or you don't have to do anything if you don't want to. Do you want to ask if Susie's here with us again? Yes, Susie, are you here with us? Okay, well, it's definitely not the water then. Oh. <laughs> what else should we ask her? Ask her if she wants to play. Yeah. Susie, would you like to play? If you want to say no, remember swing all the way out to the sides. Okay, that's fine. That's we don't fine. have to play. Would Would you like us to leave your room? Is there too many people in here for you? Yeah. Does it make it uh, you uncomfortable? Do you want us to leave? Okay, we'll stay. <laughs> I don't try these. I don't know if you can see if you can turn this flashlight on for us, but if you come up, you might be able to turn the flashlight on. See if you can do it then. It might take a lot of energy, but we appreciate you trying. Wow. You don't have to. You don't have to play with the flashlight if you don't want to. That's fine. Also, if you say anything, sometimes we can't hear you talking because it's on a different wavelength than what we can hear. But this 
piece of equipment here can hear what you say. So if you would like to say something, you can say something too. Yeah, we might not hear you right now, but we'll hear you when we check back on the recording later. Well, if she says something to this, it'll actually say the word. Yeah. I was wondering, how, how old did Josh say she was? In her 30s. But How old were you, Susie? Can you tell us how old you were when you were living in this room? That's just weird because I'm not getting any enough stuff. So. Thank you. Is it okay if I sit on your bed? Inside. We are inside your room. Oh, this is not a very comfortable mattress. Do you like this? Yeah. I would say it's not very comfortable. <laughs> I'm wondering why this room is painted yellow. Did you like the color yellow? Yes. It's very, very color. Very bright. Is it true that you do not like, or you do not like to leave this room? We've heard that it's there is a man that makes it so that you can't leave this room. So what I'm wondering, is it a man that we can't see? So it's another spirit that's here. Because I wondered if it was something in her life. Right. And she was just reflecting something from her life. Or if she wasn't permitted to leave for some reason when she was alive. Was it a man that worked here? Susie, was it a man that worked here that made you not able to come out of your room? So this man who used to work here, is he still here? Let's have something about what's going on right now. There's a lot of noise. Yeah. Does all this noise bother you to have all this banging on the walls and all that construction noise? Yeah. Straight to it. Bother me too. Yeah. Yeah. Well, hopefully they'll be done soon and you can have some peace and quiet. Can you speak into this and tell us what your favorite color out of the crayon box is? What do you like to color with? What color? Would you like us to stay, Susie, or should we... Would you like us to stay in your room longer with you? Okay, we can go. Okay. Well, thank you for visiting with us. Thank you. So you hear us checking to make sure the rods aren't being triggered by water there at the beginning. Like Kelly said, we tested hers, new ones, to see if they worked over water. Whenever we're doing an investigation, we always want to debunk everything that's happening. Right. And some of the rooms did have sinks in them. And so we went around because I believe he said that there wasn't any plumbing currently going to them. But I, I wanted to make sure that we were in a, a clear space so I wasn't getting any kind of false reading or anything of that nature. Exactly. Because I think you initially were standing near the sink and that's why they, they hear in the sound bite that I tell you, why don't you come over here so you're further away. Right. Josh had told us that Susie never leaves a room and that she has indicated to investigators that a man makes her stay in there. So you hear us asking her about that. She seems to answer that it is a spirit, some kind of a male spirit that's keeping her there. So I don't know if this is two spirits in the afterlife that are controlling, you know, one's being controlled by the other. And I don't know if that was a similar relationship as it was in life. Right. It could be an orderly, you know, a nurse. Mm -hmm. Could be 
who's known as the captain. That's what I was wondering if it, the captain, since he runs the place, if right. he just makes some of these people stay in their rooms. Because again, when we go to these places, I always wonder, why do you have to stay in this place? And then when you're in a place and they can only stay in one of the rooms? Or maybe it was a matter of she felt safer there or mm-hmm. was safer there. I think she probably was staying there because she felt safe there. Because we were asking her things like, could you leave or do you want to leave? Or And you just definitely get right. the feeling, nope. We do return to her room again and get a few more answers with the rods. We left her an HGB button pin on her dresser and we'll have pictures. Some of the pictures that we took at Malvern Manor, we'll put those up on Instagram and we'll include that picture there so you can see the little HGB button sitting there on the dresser. Another investigator once caught a Class A EVP in here of a voice answering pink when asked about her favorite color. We went to Inez's room next, and here's what Josh told us about Inez. We call this room Inez's room. As the story goes, the year was 1900. It was December 21st of 1900. Inez Gibson, who was 11 years old, was outside playing with her eight-year-old brother, Otto. She was either cold or bored, but she says, I'm going upstairs. Uh, Otto says, I'm right behind you. And we know 10 minutes pass. And Otto comes upstairs. He finds his sister hanging by her jump rope in the closet. Um, this kind of looks like a suicide. It kind of smells like a suicide. A lot of newspapers reported it as such. I don't necessarily buy it. However, I don't know. Now, we do know that Otto then tries to get her down, and he can't because he's only eight years old and he's just not strong enough. He runs to the grocery store. Uh, where aunt and uncle are currently working as grocers. Now, aunt and uncle are also adopted mom and dad. Um, This is a very new living situation for all parties involved. Um, And these kids had had a very rough go of life. Sheer dumb luck, he grabs two doctors as well. They race back. They get her down. They try to resuscitate her. But way too much time had passed at that point. So this was a story that absolutely shocked this entire community. Uh, Even one of those doctors, in fact, that was trying to help revive her committed suicide not even 10 days after the fact. So the story gets messy. There's one of the most active spirits in this place is a little girl spirit claiming to be Inez Gibson. Um, You'll very audibly hear her running up and down these halls. She will call you by name, ask you to come and play, things like that. Like, it's very, very odd. What's interesting about it is we can 100% definitively say that Inez Gibson never died here. She never died even on property. In fact, she died about a block and a half away, like up the brick street and over just a little bit. So it's interesting to me why she would be here. This is where a lot of speculation comes into play. In 1900, this building was kind of the place to be, so it's quite possible she was just attracted to the building, maybe. Other people would suggest that it's something else, maybe wanting you to think that you're addressing a 12-year-old or 11-year-old girl, maybe not with the best of intentions. <laughs> we don't know. Um, nothing really malicious has ever happened surrounding her. This time we got Jessica to hold the rods while we did our session, which we like because she was unfamiliar with using them, and that way she has less of a chance of swaying them. Incidentally, we are brainstorming some things with Dolly to develop a way to have the rods held stable without human interaction. Although, we also wonder if our energy is needed to help move the rods. These are all experiments we want to try as we continue to investigate the unexplained. 
It's like I was saying, this has become a science adventure for us, too. Yeah, definitely. And when I was talking to Dolly about the dowsing rods and I told her that you'd gotten the ones that were similar to hers, where it has the big wooden handles that are easier to hold. She just said, you know, I kind of wonder sometimes if it isn't our minds. Same thing people say with the Ouija board and the planchette. Is it our minds moving that around to the answer? Right. The only thing that I can say for myself personally is so many times when I've been using them, I'll expect to get an answer and I get none. Or contrary to that, I'll be expecting a certain reaction and I get the clear opposite of that. I mean, I would think that if I was controlling it with my mind, it would kind of follow along with what I would expect to happen. And another thing that really kind of convinces me that a lot of your stuff is legit is the lighthouse in St. Augustine where you could feel a difference between Maria and Joseph. Right. And now I'm finding that more consistently too. Not only at the lighthouse, but even at Greenwood Cemetery, I was getting the feel for different reactions from area to area where I was using them in terms of who we were interacting with. Yeah, because there are times where you say this felt a lot more forceful, this felt a little bit more gentle. Mm Mm-hmm. But that being said, we are like, yeah, it would be kind of cool, if nothing else, to see if it is something about our energy that they do need our energy to help them to move the rods. Right. And and sometimes I feel like maybe that's why after doing a certain amount of investigating in a period of time, everything gets quiet. And it's kind of around the time where we're getting a little bit tired, tired too. Yeah. So, so it's like our energy they can't feed off of anymore. Right. The story behind Inez is that she never lived in the manor. She was just a young girl when she hanged herself in her closet. Her spirit is thought to be at the manor because she liked visiting it as a child. This was a hotel at that time. Or it could be that investigations going on here have attracted her spirit. It does make you wonder because I think when we go into some of these places that seem to have so much activity because they have so many investigations coming through that they kind of feed into each other. So Right, whether it draws them in. Yeah, if it's like a beacon. I think Josh had kind of put it like it's a beacon to maybe it's a lighthouse. spirits. And so if she was just a couple blocks down. The house is no longer there anymore, I believe. I think it's just a parking lot now or something. I think that is what he said, yeah. So maybe her spirit needed to go somewhere else and this was like a light on the hill and so she just came on up there instead. So here's a soundbite of the investigation that we were doing in the room where they normally communicate with Inez. Hello, uh, we've heard that there is a person in this room whose name is... Inez, and we just wanted to introduce ourselves. This is condition. This is Kelly. I'm Diane. I'm Jessica. We just were in here to say hello to you, and we were wondering if we could ask you some questions. Now, you only have to answer the questions if you want to. You don't have to do anything that you don't want to do. So we're wondering if there is anybody in here with us right now. Is there anybody in here? What was her name again? Inez. Okay, Inez. we have somebody in the room, so let's ask if it's, it's Inez. You guys should try it. I mean, because you can feel like definite. It's weird when you feel it just pushing. I mean, it's not a... When I was at McPike, I was sitting here like this, just trying to relax. My arms are pregnant. And, uh... Shaking the first time. And so. I kept feeling this little tap on the table. Well, did it. you see me? I was shaking when I do it. So. Well, I mean, part of it too is you gotta, because um, you can even, yeah, you gotta try to keep them level. Right, I don't wanna um, contaminate or manipulate them. 
Okay, so I'll keep these free so they can move. Yeah. I'm just trying to keep them like even. Is the person who's in here with us named Inez? Is the person who's in here with us a female or a girl? Is there a male in here with us? Okay, we have oh. a male in here. Can you tell though? Like, I'm sorry, it's really. It's okay. You're okay. We have a, a, this little device over here. If you can speak towards it, maybe you could tell us what your name is. Because there's a lot of male names and I. No, no. No? Okay, you don't have to tell us your name. That's fine. And then in between, you're supposed to just kind of like recalibrate, I guess, basically. You also can touch this device, and if you touch it, it will light up. You can make the lights come on. You also can turn, this is a flashlight, and if you come over and touch it, you can maybe turn the light on for us. I wonder if you have the energy to turn that light on. Do you want us to leave the room? Would you like us to leave? Would you like us to stay? Is there anybody in here with us anymore? Mm, yeah, I think something left, whatever was here. So there was something yeah, male here. Maybe, 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 I don't know. I can reset too. We'll do it. We'll reset it and see if it... Is there anybody in here with us anymore? I don't think there's anything in here anymore. Came in and said, I'm a dude. And yeah, we seem to have a male spirit just passing through or something. Yeah, that's all we got was a spirit responding and saying that it was male. Right. But other people have heard the sound of a child running up and down the hallway outside that room. So that's the weird thing. The sound of children and the place is full of random children's shoes here and there. So why? I know. Josh says they'll just all of a sudden show up. So he goes, you know, maybe sometimes it's investigators bringing them in and placing them in different places. But when he first came through, there were children's shoes in there too. And they were like, where are these coming from? Yeah, it's pretty odd because most of the, or if not all of the residents were adults. The other interesting thing about this room is that this urban legend is very pervasive. When you look at anything on Malvern Manor, they're going to tell you, Inez hung herself in a closet in that room. Right, right. They get it. They get the information wrong. What makes you start wondering if it's not us causing something to happen here, like a tulpa, where yeah, people could be a spirit? Mm-hmm. Some group went in here with an SLS camera, and they literally got this stick figure that looked like a small child hanging in the closet. Wow. So it's like, how do you get that when that did not happen here? So it definitely did, does sound like a tulpa. Yeah. Did somebody all this energy behind this legend? Yeah. Focused energy on, on what they believed it was. Or if this is another question here. I just love the way my brain goes when I start thinking about this stuff. Let's say it's a residual energy. Can residual energy move to a new location? And is that what we're seeing? Is just this residual playing back of something that happened a couple blocks down or That's whatever. That's true. Sounds like another rabbit hole we need to go down. I know. We'll never know. That's the thing that drives <laughs> me know, crazy, though. I know. I have all these huge questions and no answers or possibility of probably ever getting them. Probably one day we will, but hopefully a long, long time from now. So at this point, we have come through several of these rooms and we're kind of disappointed with the activity. I mean, obviously, we're getting the dousing rod stuff. But again, I don't want to just rely on the dousing rod because it's kind of like, you know, you bring a Ouija board in and oh, we're getting answers from something. But does that really mean the place is haunted? I was kind of meh about it. 
I mean, I definitely want to go back and spend more time investigating. But in terms of what we did get, it was kind of like, okay, well, that's nice. But And we might not have been as disappointed if it wasn't for the fact we had a couple of other people with us that were like, do something really cool. So <laughs> right, it, you know? right. Because we'd been on public investigations where the flashlights had turned themselves on and off and everything. So we'd already gotten to experience that. Definitely. And I think we put a lot of desire into wanting that flashlight to come on since it was our flashlight and we weren't sure if we were doing it right. Mm-hmm. So it was kind of like this extra pressure like, oh, man, I really hope something happens with that. (laughs) And here's the cool thing about that. If a flashlight turns itself on and off based on intention... It didn't do diddly squat. (laughs) We had a lot of intention on that. I also, when we were at my sister's farm and we were trying to get that flashlight to turn on in the barn for the kids... Again, if intention was what turns those things on and off, I don't, I don't think that's it. <laughs> and I don't think it's a matter of the battery warming up or cooling mm-hmm. down because no. of what we experienced at Squirrel Cage. I mean, that was just, it was messing with us. <laughs> well, yeah. And I mean, again, we're having different periods of time where the flashlight's on for a while. It's never heating up and never wants to turn itself on and off here in Malvern Manor. Exactly. That evening, we're going to be at Squirrel Cage and it's going to be turning itself on and off and going, doing all kinds of crazy things. Completely responding. And, 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 yep. And like I said, we at this point haven't done our investigations at the Squirrel Cage Jail or Villisca House yet, which I'm glad because how much more disappointed would we have been? <laughs> right. Going through Malvern going, okay, we're getting a lot of nothing and we had all kinds of activity in these other places. It might have just been a quiet day there. Mm-hmm. And that is the key. Exactly. These things don't work according to a schedule. And so that's why I always leave it to the audience for you guys to decide because you might go through a place like I've been in Lent Mansion three or four times at this point, never had one thing happen. And there's other people that tell me it's so crazy haunted, they're scared to go in it. Right. Exactly. It's all personal experience. And that's this place is supposed to be crazy haunted. And we walked out of there going, well, there might be something in there. I'm not sure. Right. I definitely felt like there were spirits, but it wasn't something that was overwhelmingly, oh my gosh, it's so haunted. The eeriest place in the manor for us is this hallway that has blood splattered up all along the walls. And then when you get to the end of it, there's a handprint there as if somebody kind of reached around the wall like they're pulling themselves. Here is Josh talking about that. We hired a private investigator to really dig up some of the history. It's very important to me that I'm not presenting people with you know, false information. So uh, we had him do a three-week-long investigation. That I also told this gentleman to spend a little extra time in this hallway here for reasons that you can kind of start to see here on the walls. Um, little stains and smears and markings. Now, it does continue throughout the entire hallway, but when you get here, you can see it's kind of been smeared into the door itself. It's kind of disturbing, but this is probably the most disturbing for me. Um, But around the corner here, it's very obvious that fingers made these marks for sure, like somebody has grabbed a hold of that. Now this detective, he ended up taking a few extra steps for us. He did some testing. He did three separate tests on three separate sections of this hallway. Each time it did come back positive for human blood. He was also able to tell us that whoever this was, was the same person. The questions I still have as to why it's here, I'm never going to have an answer to. Kelly, how creepy is that, that you've got all this blood on the walls and... It's definitely human blood, and it's human blood from the same person. It's very creepy. However, 
in my way of trying to rationalize situations, I feel like it was probably something where the person would hurt themselves. Yeah, self-harm to whatever extent. Mm -hmm. I mean, even so much as biting your nails or what have you and messing with the blood. And they probably were tired of cleaning it up. I think that's really what we walked away from there thinking is that they just they just gave up. Yeah, because it was just in that one section. And it just seemed like I don't I didn't feel like it was some really horrible, gruesome scene. I mean, it was creepy. It was creepy. Yes. But I I just kind of got this overwhelming feeling of, you know what? They probably got tired of cleaning it up and just left it. Yeah, I would almost describe it as if you had like a paintbrush that you dipped in blood and just kind of flicked it along the walls here and there. So it's just little splatters. It's not right. buckets of blood or anything. And like it that. wasn't like a full handprint. It was no. just like a partial yeah, handprint. Like it's like, like blood on your fingerprints and reached around a wall. Maybe the person got bloody noses all the time. <laughs> I that mean, could it be could too. We don't know. <laughs> My youngest son had notorious bloody noses as he was growing up. And there were times where he got tired of trying to stop it and he would just blow air out and it would splatter. <laughs> like I know, it's oh disgusting. God. This is why I'm not a mother. <laughs> <laughs> it was pretty gross. He he finally stopped doing that. <laughs> he would get in trouble. But I, I could see that being the situation. Next, we headed into Henry's room. This is a guy who traditionally is thought to not like women. Another one of these cantankerous get off my lawn types. Right. So we were a bit apprehensive going into this room because we're four women standing in this room. He doesn't like you messing with his stuff. There's a dresser there that reputedly has some of his clothing still in it. And wasn't there like fingernail clippings or something too? Oh my God, yes. There was a drawer full of fingernail clippings. And a few coins, but yeah. I mean, they literally left this place the way they found it. Just as they found it. That's why I was like, I don't think we want to sleep in here overnight. Oh God, no. We did a dousing rod session. We felt pretty welcome in there for yeah, being a guy I didn't, who doesn't like girls. I didn't feel any negativity. And even the way that he was answering. Yeah, we didn't feel like he wanted us to leave. We'll go ahead and play that interaction for you here. So first we want to ask if uh, there's anyone in here with us. Do we have anybody in here with us? Does anybody want to talk to us in here? Okay, well maybe there is nobody in here. He might have left. Or he's like, screw you. (laughs) Because you're women. Have Jessica hold him for a minute. Maybe you'd rather talk uh, with Jessica. Hank, are you in here? Or Henry? Henry, Henry, are you in here, please? Wow. Okay. Thank you for that. We're women, and we know you really don't like women. Maybe you do like (laughs) women. I don't know. (laughs) Would you like, would you, since we are ladies and we know that you don't like us being around, would you like us to leave your room? No? I mean, we'll stay if you'd like us Be to stay. Thank you. We can go ahead and stay. You're also welcome to turn on this flashlight. I know it takes a lot of energy, but that really. We, we would really appreciate We really it. would love it if you turn on that flashlight. If you don't mind. There's a lawnmower running outside, just so everybody knows in the background. Are you tired of people coming in here and asking you questions? Henry? No, you like to talk to people. Okay, I want to ask something. Okay. Henry, is it true that you'd sit on the porch and throw rocks at kids? 
I don't mean to offend you or say something. Because it's okay. I don't yeah. like kids. Yeah, she doesn't. I, would, I, I wouldn't throw rocks at them if necessarily. They were, but. If they were doing something in my yard and they shouldn't have been there, I'd probably feel like doing the same thing. Is it Hank that throws the rock? Does nobody throw the rocks? Is that just the story? <laughs> Henry, are you still in here with us? Hank, are you here with us? Would it be okay if I uh, folded the clothes that are in this drawer? They're kind of a mess. Yes. straight to yes. Okay, I'm going to fold this shirt. Will you hold this? Yeah. All right. Because like Josh screwed up this shirt, and I just was like, you know, that needs to be folded up nicely and put back in there. There. That's better. All right. Well, should we maneuver on? Yeah. Sure. All right. We're going to mosey on down the road here. He's on down. Thank you. Thank, <laughs> Thank you, you for talking to us. Okay. Yeah, we were calling him Henry or Hank because we weren't sure what he. No, he goes by both. Apparently, yeah, or that's. I think that's what Josh said. We asked if you could fold his shirt because Josh kind of just threw it in the drawer, yeah, wadded it up in a ball. And <laughs> yeah, threw it in there. yeah, and he said yes. And supposedly he doesn't like people touching his clothes. So maybe, you know, I I just get that overwhelming feeling of spirits react differently to different investigators or people that have different Mm -hmm. intentions. And I just feel like we get a lot of positive interactions because we go in there with respect and positivity. (laughs) And I'll point this out. We're going to talk about it again later on because there's going to be a specific reason why it's going to make a difference that we are for women who happen to be in gay relationships. So part of me wonders if we weren't maybe throwing off a different kind of energy. Could be. So I I don't know if maybe that's why he was a little bit more receptive to us. Yeah, I mean, we'll never know. But then we headed up to the creepy attic. Oh, my God, those (laughs) stairs just trying to get up the stairs. I'm surprised you did not fall down. I know. They were so narrow. And then I had gone to use the restroom and I couldn't find you guys. And so I was going from room to room and I thought, well, maybe they're back up in the attic. So I went up there by myself looking for you. (laughs) Oh, my God. And there was no light on. So I had to turn the light on. And I'm like trying to I'm going, hello, guys. I thought maybe my voice was being muffled or something. Uh So you didn't hear me. It took me forever to find you guys after I was finished. I was a little bit freaked out running around there by myself, but that was just because I didn't know where you went. (laughs) Well, what's interesting is I'll talk about this book in a little bit, but Richard Estep wrote a book about Malvern Manor, and he said this stairway is probably the whole reason why you have to sign that waiver. I think so. I absolutely believe it. All right. So the creepy attic. This is a malevolent area with stories of growling, disembodied voices, and all kinds of other sounds. Josh said that people feel a tightness in their chest and then they get nauseous and get sick sometimes. Yeah, and he gets to clean it up. So he's always really Uh, excited about that. Hard pass. (laughs) There's also a lot of beer cans and cigarettes up here, almost as though they've been left as offerings. There are two crawl spaces up here that Josh has been inside of several times and he's found playing cards and keys. I would not be climbing through there personally. Just just my own thing. (laughs) He's usually trying to find critters that may have died, I guess. Arena did not join us up there. Yeah, she said, no, you guys can go on up. I'll just stay down here. Thanks. (laughs) I'll pass. The only interaction we got up there was basically the entity telling us that he wanted us to leave. Yeah, we were up there for probably five minutes, maybe. But yeah, maybe a little bit longer, but not terribly long. It was really hot up there, too. Yeah, it was hot. 
And when we got the dousing rods out, at first nothing was talking to us. And then we're like, do you want us to leave? And it was a hard yes. Yeah, hard yes. Okay, we'll, we'll go. Out, so. Okay. <laughs> Bye-bye. Yeah, and this other group that was coming through touring was getting ready to come up there anyway. So it worked out. Gracie's room was our next stop. This room was fairly dark. I believe there was like a blanket over the window or something. It was either heavy curtains or a blanket. Yeah, and it had a hospital bed in there that still had the head position set upright. And then there was a wheelchair. And I think you sit in that wheelchair, don't you? I thought I sat on the bed. Did I sit in the wheelchair? It seems like we're going to play an audio bit from it. And I'm almost positive that we said something about you asked if you could sit in her chair or something. Okay. A little nearby shelf on the wall held her glasses. This is the dwelling area for one of the manor's more well-known ghosts. Her story is a tragic one as she was diagnosed with both schizophrenia and multiple personality disorder, or what we now refer to as dissociative identity disorder. No one is sure how many personalities Grace had locked in her brain, but nurses once documented 13 separate personalities within a two-hour period. Josh says that he believes that some of the entities that people encounter here could be some of her different personalities. That whole idea and thought, something never I would have thought about or it occurred to me. So this is fascinating. And a reason why we really would love to go back to this location and have more time to investigate, ask her more questions, try to see if we can get more of a feeling for, are these separate entities? Actually, one person putting herself out there in these different personalities. It could be. How sad, though, if that's the case. Yeah, imagine that that possibility that you're still locked within this mental illness in the afterlife. Right. You have to wonder, and this is what I would hope for, if these are her different personalities that are showing themselves, is this some kind of a residual imprint? That That would be the best case scenario, mm -hmm, I would think. Her spirits have just imprinted here in some way because we don't understand how the brain works or any of that stuff because like you said neither you or I or anybody wants to believe that it's a possibility that you would still have these disorders going into the afterlife as I mentioned I have Richard Estep's book on Malvern Manor and it is titled The Devil's Coming to Get Me and I kept wondering why in the world did he title the book that I mean I know that they say this place is crazy haunted but right really that seems a little bit extreme to say that is you know the devil's coming to get me The book actually bears that title because it is something that would come out of Grace's mouth many times in a low, gruff tone as though a man were speaking. So this is one of her personalities coming out in this low, gruff voice saying this, the devil's coming to get me, the devil's coming to get me over and over. And so I don't know if this is whatever personality she had that was showing itself at that moment, if it was afraid of the devil for some reason, or if she was repeating something that had been said to her by a male voice. You can imagine the staff would be chilled to the bones when they would hear this, particularly because it tended to happen at night. Oh, good grief. And so they're hearing this low, gruff, what sounds like a male voice coming from Gracie's room. They go in there and it's just her. Right. And then she's just saying this over and over. And can you imagine being some of those nurses that sat there for that two-hour period and going, well, who are you? And here's another one. And this is back at a time when they really didn't understand this kind of thing. Exactly. They didn't have any studies really Mm -hmm. about that. We got a bunch of nothing in her room, as this soundbite indicates. Oh, you know what? This was, whose room was this? Gracie's. Gracie's. And her glasses are right there. We're not sure if Gracie's in here or not. 
but uh, those are actually Gracie's glasses right there. If you are in here, Gracie, this is Kelly sitting in, I think, your chair. chair. I'm Diane. I'm Jessica. She's <laughs> like, keep pulling me into this. <laughs> so, Gracie, we're wondering if you're in here with us, if we could ask you some questions. That thing I put next to your glasses is a flashlight. You probably know that. If you touch it, you might be able to turn it on. Kelly also has on her lap an EMF detector, which if you touch that, it'll light up. And she also has these dowsing rods, which we can use to ask you questions. And she's going to show you if you want to say yes to a question, you'll cross those rods. Say yes, you go like this. If you want to say no, you swing them away. Oops. Away. Like that, yeah. <laughs> I need to stand up. I can't do it like that. <sighs> okay. We would appreciate it if you would talk to us. So first of all, we want to know, are you in here with us, Gracie? You can answer yes if you're in here with any of those devices that I showed you. Is there anyone in here with us? The dowsing rods have broken. <laughs> <laughs> this wall has really seen better days, that's for sure. Yeah. I wonder if it had wallpaper on it, and that's why it looks like it has like the streaks on it, like glue. Yeah, I'm assuming. Yeah, that's well, wallpaper glue. They also, it looks like they cut it off, like they put whatever you call that stuff on here to cover yeah. plaster. Oh, and it looks like it originally had some kind of paneling Lined on it. it. Yeah, paneling. Yeah, paneling. But that's definitely from wallpaper glue. Is there anybody in here with us now? If you could turn on that flashlight, we would really appreciate it. So again, that's why we'd love to return back here and see if we could maybe get a little something. But you can imagine this room probably gets a lot of attention and maybe she just gets tired of it. I could certainly imagine that. Another one of the sad rooms here belongs to a nameless woman who was admitted by her husband at a pretty young age. Apparently she'd become obsessed with this idea that he no longer found her attractive, didn't want her anymore, and that he was going to leave her. I think there had to have been some other stuff going on, though, if he admitted her here, because most men are not just going to admit their wife to a home just because she thinks he's going to leave her. doesn't make a lot of sense. Right. But there were times when women were accused of hysteria and things That's of that true. nature where the husbands did do exactly that. Or there was nothing wrong with them and they just had him admitted so they could get rid of him. Right. She did seem to really have something wrong with her, though. No true. treatment seemed to help her. Staff would find her standing at the mirror in her room. She'd be pulling out chunks of her hair, doing a lot of self-harm. Right. So she just slowly deteriorated, and she died shortly thereafter. I have a feeling she probably stopped eating, that kind of thing. So sad. Visitors often report seeing her spirit at the mirror looking very angry and sad. And I don't believe we went into that room. Or did any kind of investigating in there? I don't think that we investigated with the dowsing rods. We did go in there for a short period of time, mm-hmm. but we did have to get out of there pretty yeah. quickly. So it was right at the tail end of our time. The internet will tell you that the rooms right below the attic, rooms 17 and 18, contain some really sinister energy. The story that is told is that there were two men here that lived across the hall from one another. After the nightly bed check, the one patient would cross the hall enter the other male patient's room, and physically and sexually abuse him. 
This went on for years, it was believed. But Josh told us that his investigations have him thinking something else quite different was going on. And this will make it very poignant that the four of us investigating are two lesbian couples. Josh thinks that the men were in a relationship and that the activity was consensual, but not allowed in the house. And that is why the sneaking was going on. Here is some audio of us in this room. The room that we are in is room 18. And apparently the gentleman who was in here used to go across the hallway to number 17. And they had records that showed that there was a lot of sexual activity going on. And they were calling it assault. But what Josh said is it's kind of weird for them to do so much paperwork in a place like this, because usually if you had an incident, you would make a record of it. And then generally you would separate the people. And these guys lived across the hall from each other for five years. They seemed to do it peacefully, except for at night, after bed check, the gentleman who was in here would go across the hallway and assault the gentleman across the hall. Well, they're beginning to think that because there were so many records of this happening and nobody doing anything about it, and that these men didn't seem to have an issue with each other other than that, that quite possibly they were actually in love with each other and that they were partners. And so he would go across the hallway to be with his partner. And that's why we were getting all of these incidents and that it was not actually assault in any way. But of course, back then, whenever they would have been in here, that would not have been something that was okay. So we thought, since we have two couples that are gay, that maybe we could get some kind of activity with them. So let's see what happens. That just went off. Did you see it? From that? Yeah, I saw it. I don't think the flashlight would set that off. Here, put, let me put the flashlight up against it. Uh-uh. Oh, it was it not the flashlight. Okay. I wonder, hold on. Okay, so you obviously so already what I, know. What I said was that you can light that EMF up. There's a lot of emotion coming in this room. If you want to touch this or come near it, you can make the little button, the little stick rise on the meter. If you do it all the way. And you actually just did it because that little light that came on was you lighting that up. So you can do that again, or this is a flashlight that you can turn it on if you touch it also. And something that we wanted to let you know is that Jessica and Arena are married to each other and they're both women and Kelly and I are engaged to each other and we're both women. So we understand if you have an affinity for somebody who is the same gender as yourself or has the same interest in that way. So we are friendly to that. And so we were wondering if we could ask you some questions. So first of all, we'd like to know if there's anybody in here with us. You can talk to us via any of these devices. Yes. Thank you. We know that at night, after bed check, was when you guys would have some time to be with each other. Did you really like having that time to be with each other? Because we know a lot of people get the story wrong and say that it wasn't something that you liked. Okay. Are you both still here together now? Oh, that's good. Good. We're glad that you're together. Yeah. It's hard to think of yes-no questions to ask. I have a lot of questions to ask that you could answer with an actual words and things, but... <laughs> It's like, no, it's not hard to think of yes and no questions. <laughs> <laughs> I understand. I'm trying to think of what, but I don't want to ask too many personal questions. Right. Were the two of you in love with each other? If you could have gotten married to each other, would you have gotten married to each other? Okay. Do you feel like you can open? Yeah, I can't talk to other people about it. Yeah. Did, you understand you can talk to us, though, right? Yes. 
Were you placed in this home because you liked other men? Trying to go to know. Okay. Were you placed in this home because sometimes mentally you just were really tired and had some issues mentally? So a mental health problem. Not necessarily mental. There were people here that yeah. were, had illnesses. I don't know what other question to ask. They're like, yes, ask another question. What we would really love is if you would turn this flashlight on for us. Can you turn the flashlight on? You just go up and touch it, it'll turn it on. It might take a lot of energy, but we would really appreciate it. And I know that when we first walked in the room, you turned this other device on and lit it up. All right, well, we want to thank you guys for talking to us. So it seems like we were getting responses that the gay angle... Maybe true. And that really is what makes sense to me. Richard Estep mentions that in his book as well, that they were really getting that kind of a feeling about it. Mm-hmm. One of the reasons why is just when you start thinking in your brain, I know there was a lot of neglect and stuff going on here, but if you know that you have somebody across the hall from another person who is going in and raping that person or whatever, sexually abusing them in some way, you're going you to do something least, to stop yeah, it. Try to separate them in some right. way or keep an eye on it. And Josh said there were just reams of paperwork written up documenting that this was going on. So it's exactly. like, why are they documenting this going on if it's something that's harming someone else? And so I think it was just kind of an unspoken thing. Yeah, John Doe is going into John Smith's room again. They're at it. and <laughs> you know. They're at it. <laughs> yeah. So I have a feeling that really is probably what was going on here. So because we didn't feel any sinister energy in there. So I, I no, don't think not it was all. a bad thing. Of course, we'll never know, but just based on impressions that people are getting in our own thinking, that's where we were coming from. Right, and with the dowsing rods, too. Mm -hmm. The most unsettling area of the manor was this dark hallway that branched off of the nursing station. There was not much left of that nursing station, save for some shelving that was made into wooden pigeon holes similar to mail slots or boxes. The names of whomever each box belonged to were still visible, and Josh told us that they had found items still in these boxes. After telling us a bit about the station, Josh pointed down a hallway that branched off to the left, the end of which was swallowed in darkness. It is from a door at the very end that Josh says many people claim to see a shadow figure emerge and then rush down the hallway at them before dissipating. He believes them because it has happened to him too at least three times. He says he hates to vacuum in that hallway for just that reason, and who could blame him? Not me. And Josh pointed out that the rushing is faster than running. No human being could move as fast as whatever the shadow figure is, is doing. You know us. We just had to wander down that hallway to room number two. Of course we did. Which we found to be padlocked, so you can't go inside of it. Here is the audio from that. All right, so we are wandering down to what they say is the scariest part of Malvern Manor. This is where you can see the remnants of when it was a nursing home where they would have probably had the meds or maybe mail or orders or something for them. It's definitely cooler down here than it is upstairs. Anyway, so this looks perfectly fine this way. But then you look down this way to the creepy hallway. And yeah, so there's actually a toilet chair down there. Yeah, that's a toilet chair. (laughs) Okay, so this room, that one right there supposedly has a shadow figure in it that will come out, poke his head out, and run down the hallway. They think it's kind of in a residual manner because it doesn't really seem to do anything to anybody. It just runs at them and scares them all, and then they come 
running out of the house. And Josh has said that it's happened to him three times. And one time he was just walking down here and he just wanted to vacuum. And whatever it was rushed at him. And we don't mean any harm to anybody who might be down here. We just want to come down and and see what you have going on down here. If you wouldn't mind, we'd like to ask you some questions. We have these dousing rods here, and the way you can answer our questions is if it's a yes, you, you could cross them, them like that. And if, if it's, it's a, a no, we no, push them away. Okay. So, we don't mean you any harm. We come in peace. We don't we, mean any disrespect either. We are just wondering, uh, first of all, is there anybody here with us right now? Is there anybody with us? Yes. Thank you. Did you used to live here? Did you live here? Did you work here? Hmm. That's weird. We're not getting a yes or no to either one of those questions. We got a yes that there is somebody here. Did you know why you were here? I don't feel anything like energy-wise down here, do yeah. you? doesn't feel negative to me at all. I don't feel mm -hmm. heavy down here. No. I don't. It just feels like a... Yeah. It's definitely a weird energy. It just keeps swinging back and forth a little bit, which mm. I've never had that happen. Just mm -mm. back and forth and back and forth. We didn't get any EMF activity in here at all. I haven't had a single look on it. Mm -hmm. Even trying to go by some of the older... No, the, the wire hasn't... I mean, the little knobby hasn't gone up or nothing. Uh-huh. So... Without the dousing rods, I would say there's nothing here. So we haven't had any other kind of interactions unless we've picked up something on EVP. So you hear us there at the end that we basically got a whole lot of nothing throughout the building here, including in this hallway. It didn't feel bad to us or weird. It's no. just dark down there. It was really dark. It felt a little bit apprehensive mm -hmm. walking down there. But essentially, I, I believe that whatever people are experiencing... It's residual. It's it's not something coming after them or anything of that nature. I agree. It's doing the same thing every single over and time. over. Yep. They just see this dark shadow and it just comes running at them and dissipates before it gets to them. So obviously, if you are not prepared for that, like Johnny Hauser, who is the caretaker for the Velisca Axe Murder House, first time it ever happened to him there. He went running out of the manor because he was like, I'm out of here. <laughs> Who could well, blame him? Yeah, exactly. I'd probably do the same thing till I took a few moments to really think about what was going on. And even though it's happened to Josh three times, he says it's still pretty unsettling when you see this big hulking shadow figure. Oh, coming sure. At you. <laughs> Absolutely. But yeah, since it's always the same kind of thing, he would love to set up some kind of a way that they could document. I don't know if they could put cameras up or something to see if it happens on certain days or a certain time, and maybe that's why it's exactly. popping Exactly, yep. Dolly, who joined us at the jail and Velisca house, went and did a public investigation at the Malvern Manor about a month and a half after we did. She was a bit disappointed in the fact that the people that were there for the investigation kind of treated it as a joke with, I guess, the boyfriends trying to scare the girlfriends. And one kid had a ton of equipment who was catching a ton of activity, but she didn't feel that it was quite legitimate. That's the problem when you do these public investigations. That's why I like it that we're trying to set up our own where it's just HGB there. Right. We have, you know, that respectful style mm -hmm. of investigating and we're not clowning around. You know, I mean, we, we have fun, mm -hmm. but we're not disrespectful and 
And we yeah. get evidence, but we're not like, she said that this kid was just constantly like, did you feel that? Did you see that? I'm getting some, I mean, she goes, it was just, it was over, so the, top. over the top. Yeah. <laughs> Many people do tend to investigate that way. <laughs> that is true. As TV has shown us. Exactly. We trust Dolly and we consider her a part of the HGB paranormal investigation team. And she got a whole lot of nothing, unfortunately, and left early knowing that nobody there was really kind of taking it seriously. So she really wasn't going to get any kind of worthwhile results. If you think about it, Kelly, when we were in there, we just had one other group of women that was being taken through on a tour and I wouldn't have trusted anything we got. So if you've got these other people that are just kind of clowning around or... Yeah, and the voices did tend to kind of travel. Absolutely. The I hallways mean, and everything. I mean, and it's hard to know if I was picking up the construction voices or if it was the tour voices because there was just voices all around us the whole time. Right. Well, that's one thing that people can always trust with us. We don't make stuff up and we don't provoke. Nope. And people are probably going, oh, there's an HGB paranormal investigation team. How do I get on it? Just join us for one of our investigations. Exactly. <laughs> Easy as that, folks. <laughs> This place has a crazy history, and walking through it is a time capsule that has captured a place of disregard and sadness. Today, it seems to be more of a paranormal investigator's playground. Although we had very little of what we would call activity, is the Malvern Manor haunted? That That is for you to decide. And based on Richard Eastup's book, other people talking about their experiences there, the experiences that Josh has had there. I mean, he basically lives there during the day. Right. There's something going on there. I definitely believe so. It's just, I don't know if I would label it as one of the most haunted buildings. (laughs) And part of our problem is, if it really is based on the energy that you bring into a place... That's what we're bringing in. So I think that's why we don't get a whole lot of crazy haunting and throwing us around and scratching and stuff like that. Truly. Honestly, I don't hope that we... Yeah, I don't ever want to have that happen. Yeah, I'll I'll pass on that portion. (laughs) Yeah, I'd rather get a whole lot of nothing than that. I want to point you guys to our website where you can find out where we are on all the social media and how to contact us and all that good stuff. That is historygoesbump.com. And if you do want to send us some feedback, you can do that at historygoesbump at gmail.com. And we did get an email from Amanda, and it was about some interesting synchronicity. And I asked if we could share it, and she said, sure. I have a little synchronicity situation to share with you. It totally freaked my husband out when it happened. Let me give you a little background. In October, my husband started having some back pain. It got worse, so three days before Thanksgiving, he went in for a CT scan thinking he had a kidney stone. And I know exactly where he's at because I've been there, done that. Yikes. It ended up showing a mass that had also spread into the lymph nodes in that area. He ended up having two biopsies over the last month because it kept showing suspicious for cancer, but nothing definitive. And because of his age, he's 48. The doctors really didn't think it could be. We have since found out that it is, in fact, cancer. So, oh, of course, man. we hope that her husband manages to get through that okay. And Absolutely. And I totally understand the back pain that he's having from that being similar to kidney stones because even after I had my surgery for it, it was I was in pain for quite some time. So that's the background. Here's where the synchronicity comes in. A couple weeks ago, before we had the definite diagnosis, but we're pretty sure it was cancer, my husband went to a birthday party for a friend. He started talking to a guy there, we'll call him Rich, mostly because I can't remember his actual name. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like me. He I'm was terrible the, with names. <laughs> I have the same problem. You know, two minutes later, I'm like, what did they say their name was? This Rich was the brother of someone he used to work with. Now, he had no intention of telling this guy about his medical condition, but Rich told him about his niece, 
who has two young kids and that she was just diagnosed with cancer. My husband was, of course, totally sympathetic and told Rich that he totally gets it and proceeded to tell him about his current situation. Rich said that 20 years ago when he was 40, he was diagnosed with kidney cancer as well. Same kidney, same symptoms, and the doctors also didn't think it could be cancer with him either because of his age and the way he was presenting symptom-wise. Wow. Rich went on to say that it was especially hard because his mom had died one year almost to the day that he was diagnosed. Now, if you recall, my husband had a CT scan three days before Thanksgiving. My mother-in-law passed away last year on Thanksgiving, almost one year to the day that my husband found out about his mass. Oh, my goodness. My husband told this to Rich, who said, oh, my God, my mom died the Saturday after Thanksgiving. So that's two guys, same cancer to a younger age. Both of their moms died one year before they found out, and both of their moms died around Thanksgiving. It gave me chills. I would imagine. Just thought that was an awful lot of coincidences and just had to share. I think everybody knows what I think about coincidences. There are no such things. No. <laughs> so I don't know why they had that synchronicity. Maybe it was just a, another human being able to connect to another human. Yeah, very possibly. Maybe there's something else they'll find out in the future that they were supposed to connect with. Could be. That's one of the things. We just finished the documentary season two of Hellier. And again, it was just a lot of synchronicities, I feel like. And there's a lot of people who complain because they don't get a satisfactory ending with those. And so they're like, well, I want something, you know, they don't find goblins and they don't seem to find Terry Wrist and all these but other But that's people. the reality of investigating things. It doesn't always come with these big, spectacular TV type results. Exactly. It's reality. And for me, and I think it's kind of that way for you too, I love synchronicity. Exactly. It's probably if people ask me what is my number one paranormal topic, whatever, that's it. It's synchronicity because that Definitely. happens to me far more it's than mind blowing. ghost experiences or anything else is synchronicity. And so I've been loving both seasons of it because I listen to a roundtable and I'm not going to mention the podcast but it's a show that looks at paranormal stuff, too. And they weren't really ripping on it, I would say. But they were saying, you know, it was just really a bunch of coincidences. And I kept going, well, if you're doing a paranormal show, maybe you shouldn't believe in coincidences. Exactly. So much, I have found them to not really be that way. That's just my opinion on coincidences and synchronicity. <laughs> As it is mine. <laughs> Well, we want to thank you guys for joining us for this episode. I've been your host, Diane. And this has been Kelly. You take care now. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. This episode has been brought to you by our executive producers. Join me in the cemetery by becoming an executive producer. You can join on Patreon or PayPal. Check out the Support the Show tab on the website for more information.